This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. This is MPB Season Pass on Think Radio with producer Liz Gill. I'm Jay White. On today's show, we'll speak with Gulfport's Leisure Services Director Gus Wesson and Dallas Cowboys starting quarterback and former Mississippi State legend. Oh, no, he's still a legend. Former player, Dak Prescott. But first, we've invited on to the show Brickley Miller, Facility Director of the Mississippi Horse Park. Today, we we have you on uh, this morning for talking about harness racing. What types of horses are in Involved in harness racing, and what's what makes it different than regular horse racing? It's a standard bred horse for harness racing, and they actually have a harness on them. So, harness racing is where you see uh, the driver actually sits behind the horse in a buggy, and they have a gait, which is a very fast trot. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Okay, so is is it is it because of the weight maybe that they're not uh, in a full sprint? as opposed to the trot? They don't actually want them to break into a lope where you see a quarter horse actually races in a full gallop. Yeah. Um, a harness horse, the harnesses are to keep them in that extended trot, but they want them to, to trot as fast as they possibly can, and that's the reason they call them trotters. And so the buggies are behind the, the horses as they go down the track um, at an extended trot, which they can do extremely quickly. Fascinating. Uh, is there is the age of the horse a criteria in any kind of way? On a standard day when we have at the horse park, we have um, races. They're sanctioned through the United State Trotting States Trotting Association. Um, all the races are. And, of course, you have dis- different categories. So you have young horses and age category. You know, you have your three-year-olds, your four-year-olds, and then you go up to your age horses. Uh, and they also break them down, whether it's um, a mare or gelding. So, yes, they do classify them in different categories. Gotcha. And that's to make everything fair. The people riding in the harnesses, drivers, riders, jockeys. How do you how do you reference drivers. those folks? Drivers. Uh, they are they are drivers. Is what they are. Gotcha. And so, for those folks, what is I guess kind of the what is the mode of operation once once they're in and once the race is going? So it takes uh, months of training your horse um, to actually get them to extend to that trot. You know, and first you have to break them to the harness, and then you have to break them to the buggy you know it's so it wow. it uh, takes months of preparing and years even of preparing a horse to, to really race to full potential and that's the nice thing about Mississippi is we have a lot of tracks in Mississippi where harness racers can do that um, and get their horses ready to go to these races so it's not just you've got to actually teach that horse what he needs to do and that driver behind him and you have different drivers you have some drivers that actually just drive for the races, and then you have some uh, owners that actually train, but when it comes time to race, they actually have a different person in the seat, just like you would if you were racing a horse. You would have a, a different person that sometimes actually exercises your horse, and then you have a jockey that gets on for the race. How about that? 
once the race starts, I know uh, you know for jockeys uh, they make it look e- e- incredibly easy, but there's a lot going on there. How about with harness racing? The same thing, except you actually instead of starting out of a gate at a standstill, they actually start behind the truck, a, star, uh, a truck that has an extended arm on it, and so the horse is already pacing anywhere from 15 miles an hour on up because they're right there and they have to get in line um, with that truck before the, the, the truck will go off because the judge is actually sitting on the back of the truck. One of the judges is to make sure that they all start fairly and correctly. Interesting. And then you've got to race um, and you've got to race around the track and you have to stay within your lane. And if you want to pass somebody, you've also got to pass them properly, um, just like you would in a horse race, and not foul their movement. And that way the race is, is fair and clean to the end, and the winner is declared the winner. Gotcha. And, and if the horse breaks into a lope or run, they actually have to pull that horse back and stop that horse. He's wow. out of the pack of horses. Yeah. You do not want that horse to break that gate, which is that extended trot that's so fast. And how, how difficult is that i know you say they work with them a lot and uh, they have them ready to go before they get to the race but how like i guess suppose i suppose how often does a foul like that occur you know, sometimes in any type of, uh, when you're dealing with an animal, uh, you're not always in a controlled environment. Yeah. You know, you, you work with them and you work with them. And some of these horses, you know, would occasionally probably break gait. But the majority of them that you see, they do have them so well trained before they get out on the track that you're going to see a great competition between horses that are trained and ready to go. So occasionally you're going to see one that, um, you know, has, has broken a gate and he has loped and they'll pull him to the outside of the track and that way he doesn't interfere with the other horses because even though it's a very competitive sport you know you also want you're very respectful of the people that are in the sport with you and you want them to have a fair opportunity as well so the drivers pull their animal out of the way so the other horses can move forward that's that that's so interesting absolutely but that's that's really tough to think about Um, you know you're in a race but you can't break out into a full sprint. I, I would, it would probably take a couple of years to teach me how to not. If I, okay, you're on your market set, go, and this is a race to see who's the fastest, but you can't go full into a sprint. I would probably never be able to keep myself from doing that. Well, and that that's exactly right. These trainers have worked really um, long and hard to get these horses prepared to go. And whether they're racing here um, around Mississippi, which they have sanctioned harness races about once a month, at least in the summertime where they can go and race, and then they have other race warm-up races as well. And then the, the trainers that have the horses that are doing really well that season will actually take them off to the bigger fairs um, in different states and compete during the fairs on those tracks because they feel like that their animal can, can leave the state of Mississippi and go and compete. Now you mentioned, uh, you kind of led me to my next question, where all in Mississippi is harness racing available to watch? If you go to the Mississippi Trotting Horse Association uh, website, they have over 200 members, and they list where 
where their races are. And you usually can find one to two races during racing season, um, which begins in the spring and goes until fall. Usually it stops about September. Um, you can usually find one or two races a month to go and see. And then, of course, the Neshoba County Fair as well uh, in Philadelphia, Mississippi, you can see those. There are tracks in Jackson, and we have a five-eighths mile track. Um, in 2018, we actually will have three harness races here uh, at the Mississippi Horse Park this year. All right, so let me go back for just a second. You talked about the Neshoba County Fair, and before that, you mentioned the big fairs in other parts of the region outside of the state. Is is the Neshoba County Fair a place that maybe people from outside of the state look at as a big fair in the region to come to and try to compete in? You do have people from out of the state that do come and compete at the Neshoba County Fair. You will find at different fairs, you have different prize levels. And so the Neshoba County Fair does a great job to add prize money, give away nice coolers and prizes. But you'll find at other fairs, they have those options as well. And sometimes the prizes are bigger at other fairs. So you can travel around depending on where you want to go and the level of your horse, uh, the distance that you want to travel, and the competition level. Now let me me ask you about, uh, you, you mentioned, the horse park, the Mississippi Horse Park outside of Starkville. Tell me about what all goes on there and about the track there. We are a beautiful 100-acre facility, and we have a 69,000-square-foot inside arena. We have a large covered arena. We have over 300 stalls, and we have a 5-8-mile track. Uh, We also have a large RV park. We had actually 100 events in 2017 at the horse park, and part of what we do is we do host harness racing on our track. We have a really nice track. We have normally three races a year on there, and then we have certain days at certain hours where we actually open the track for our local harness racers to come and use the track if they'd like to come and train on it. And and how how is the uh, I guess the, the the sport with not necessarily pe- people who are that this is what they do, but just for the for the average fan, is there a lot of interest in in, in trying to break into the sport? I think as far as the spectator, is that mm-hmm. that what you're asking me? Yeah. Okay. So for a spectator, it's a it's a fun because it's a high intensity event. So it's a lot of fun to rate, uh, watch on a on normal race day. You're going to have about ten different races that you get to see. And so you get to see different horses come in and race, and it's a very enjoyable day to be able to see this because the races don't take very long. Um, and when while they are happening, it's a high level of intensity. So it's a really high-energy, high-liked um, spectator sport. It's a lot of fun to watch. Yeah. Uh, one of the things folks thinks about think about when they think about uh, horse racing is wagering. Uh, and I know that's been a hot topic in Mississippi in general, out, uh, away from uh, horse racing. But are you allowed to bet on the races or anything like that? Not on the state, of, not on the campus of Mississippi State University, and I don't, oh, yeah. I don't think that's actually legal in any part of the state right now. <laughs> uh, interesting. I wonder if uh, the 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 proceedings going forward will have uh, any kind of uh, possible change in store for that. Uh, that would be interesting to think about. So, um, I know in other 
states, mm-hmm. when you have off-track betting, the casinos add money to the races. And so that actually helps to grow the sport in those areas because the casinos contribute to the prize for the riders, and that helps to grow the sport Certainly, uh, in the area. So if, if our um, legislators decide to do that, then, you know, that could possibly be an option in our state. What is the connection to Mississippi State, and, and how much involvement do they have? Mississippi actually leads the nation in state-of-the-art equine facilities per capita. Mm-hmm. A lot of people don't realize that. A former commissioner of agriculture, Jim Buck Roth, many years ago started mm-hmm. a matching grant program. So we actually have 72 publicly funded arenas in our state. When the horse park was built, it was opened in 1999, and it was built a little different because it was built as a unique partnership between Mississippi State University, the city, and the county. The majority of these facilities across the state are county-owned facilities, but ours is a lot different because it is a three-part partnership. Yeah. For folks who want to get involved or for folks who are, who who maybe have just a very pedestrian um, level of knowledge about the sport, but would like to learn more or maybe feed an interest to get involved, how would they do so? I would start with contacting the Mississippi Trotting Association, and you'll find local harness racers all over the state, and that's a great place to start. It's just to come to the track with them, gain some knowledge, and see if it's something that you really enjoy doing. Whether you want to get involved and be on the owner end of it, there's opportunities for that, but there's always opportunities just to bring the family out and enjoy the races on race day. Brickley Miller, Facility Director of the Mississippi Horse Park. Thank you so much for your time this morning. Thank you. When we come back, we'll hear about what fun and recreational activities you could be involved in in Gulfport and how former Mississippi State quarterback Dak Prescott is trying to make a difference with cancer research. That's all coming up on MPB Season Pass on Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.
You're listening to MPB Season Pass on Think Radio with producer Liz Gill. I'm Jay White. We'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast. We realize you're not going to be able to listen to a show in its entirety or listen at all because your schedule may change or whatever. Go back and listen to a show at your convenience, download, or stream our podcast on whatever platform you receive your podcast. And subscribe to us while you're there, mpbonline.org. I'd like to welcome to the show now Gus Wesson, Director of Leisure Services, and I love that name, otherwise known as Parks and Recreation uh, in Gulfport. Gus, good morning. How are you? Good morning. How are you? I'm great. I'm, I'm doing well. Thank you so much for your time this morning. Uh, you, you seem to have a, a large responsibility there in Gulfport with uh, marina, piers, uh, ball fields, one of the, the bigger cities in Mississippi, so a large population to serve there. So um, tell us uh, in Gulfport, where have you come from the last 10 years or so with Parks and Leisure's offerings? Well, we, uh, you know, in the last 10 years, we've, we've added a uh, marina that has uh, over 300 slips now. Uh, and if, you ha- if you haven't seen it, it's state-of-the-art. That was completed right after Katrina. We just recently, we had our grand opening for six brand new synthetic turf baseball softball fields and two regular turf soccer and football fields. And in addition, you know, we got 25 parks that we control and we've had about six to seven new playgrounds installed in the last two to three years. I know you have a ton of parks in the city there and there's always equipment to be upgraded. I'm sure that is a never ending race that you are constantly chasing. Do you get a chance to maybe have input or design on new parks in the city? Oh Yeah, absolutely. Our department's involved in uh, any new uh, rec facilities that come, come aboard. My actual degree is in landscape architecture with an emphasis in park design, so yeah, yeah we're involved. You talk to us a little bit about the last 10 years or so and where you've come from. What are some of your, your big objectives uh, where you would have put your, your fingerprints on the, the city and its offerings going forward maybe over the next 5, 10 years or so? Well, I think we need more recre- outdoor recreation like walking, biking, um, bike trails. You know, we absolutely need those, get people outside. Uh, I would like to improve some of the parks we have. We've got 25, and six of them are heavily used, but there's no reason the other 19 couldn't be the same. You know, we've got a couple of splash pad ideas that we'd like to implement. Another big thing is soccer facilities. We'd like to absolutely increase that. Soccer's still one of the fastest-growing youth sports in the country right now, and for us to compete, we definitely need to add fields. Your website states Gulfport's philosophy. How important do you feel your splash pads and summer camps, the Easter egg hunts, boo bash, and other stuff that you have, a lot of annual events there, too. How, how important is that in your philosophy? Oh, it's priority. I mean, you got you got to have rec and events for uh, your citizens. I mean, the studies show that there's a uh, big difference or a big showing in uh, overall health of the community when you have those things in place. So we want to supply that for our citizens and, and not only supply, but improve on what we have. Talk to me about the sportsplex and uh, how important is that to the health of the city of Gulfport? Oh, it's tremendous. I mean, we have anywhere from every year, we have around 2,600 teams that come in and play. That's baseball, softball, not not counting the soccer that just practices out there. But it's also 
sports tourism. I mean, that's one of the biggest growing things in the country right now as well. How hard is it, uh, I should say, or, or how how difficult is it to stay on top of what's new and what's fresh, and specifically with the sportsplex? As you mentioned, and every city seems to have this one mega like you know, sports park that's totally different than what your typical city park is or something like that. And as you mentioned, it's you know tournaments and it's a, a tourist attraction and a face to the city uh, for many folks coming in from out of town. How much? How difficult is it to stay on top of that? Of uh, new, new and upcoming stuff. Is that what you're talking about? Like, yeah. I mean, it's it's pretty tough, but fortunately, we've got good pl- good people in place, and we've got a good network across the state, you know, and and in this region with other parks departments. That's something that you'll find in other parks departments that you probably won't find in other departments. Is that we all communicate, and we all consider us one team. So, you know, good people and good network is key. How important is the city's government in what you do and their their involvement and their willingness to to give you guys the budget and the things that you need to 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 go forward and not just not just maintain what you have but to continue to build and move forward no matter what city you go to you're going to find that the parks department is usually the first one cut unfortunately <laughs> we got to have polar works we got to have fire safety all that's key but you know when you get down to the nuts and bolts of what drives the overall health of community parks and rec is it and fortunately our administration and council are big time supporters in you know and what we're doing and we want to grow in events we believe in it we want to uh, grow our youth sports facilities uh, we want to not only have a lot of parks and green space we want nice parks and green spaces they're uh, they're tremendous some of the events that we were talking about uh, the boo bash Easter egg hunts summer camps I know you guys have got to have some of that stuff coming up the summer camp specifically and tell us a little bit about uh, the boo bash and what that is annually for your uh, department as well absolutely I'm gonna list a couple of uh, really nice events we have that are big draws and huge for our local and tourists uh, we have boo bash of course that's our Halloween event you know we, we draw anywhere from two to three thousand people annually for that it's a huge event we have uh, cinema by the shore that occurs during the summer you know that's where we, we show a big we have a big projector that we show we have jump jumping jump houses things like that at Jones Park we have one of the biggest of all is our Harbor Light Show. I don't know if y'all have been, but each year we're hitting about forty to 50,000 people wow. visiting. And at that right there is, it's only three years old, and this year is our fourth year. That right now, that right now just took over everything that we're doing in events. That's one of the biggest events we have. So we have, we have a ton of events that we do, and fortunately, we, we've got an outstanding event coordinator, manager, and staff. If you would, mention a couple of two or three people, if you want to, from your staff that, and I don't want to get you in trouble here, because uh, I know you'd want to mention everybody, but, you know, a couple of people that, that really help what you do come to fruition on a day-in-day-out basis. Oh, absolutely. I'm, I'm going to list every manager because we have all good managers. Sure. That's okay. You know, we got, of course, our uh, office manager, Liz McMillan. She basically runs this whole show up here. <laughs> we got Brittany Dice. She's our event coordinator manager. Amazing, phenomenal programmer. Uh, we've got George Meneman. He's our harbor master, and he's one of the best around. We've got Randy Wells. He's a uh, certified Arborist and he's our beautification division manager. Uh, Ed Hayden, he's our building maintenance manager. Uh, Rusty Ramage is our sportsplex manager. 
He's been with us, you know, over 15 years now. Kier Edwards, he's our turf grass maintenance manager. And he, he's a uh, product of Mississippi State. Uh, we got J- Jace Payne. He's our Fortflex marketing director. You know, every one of these guys and girls, they're the ones that make it happen, hands down. If you don't have them, you don't have it. Gus, before we let you go, tell us about um, uh, the leisure services and activities that are available for uh, seniors in the area. We just hired a new senior center manager, director. Our last one just retired, been there forever. We uh, we have a <laughs> community center that is dedicated strictly for them. Of course, we offer lunch. There's a, Every day, there's a lunch program. We have senior summer barbecue, and there's also a an Olympic an event that we have, a senior Olympics. We're involved with that. We do arts and crafts. We're very involved with the seniors in our city, hands down, for sure. Well, Gus, thank you so much for taking some time uh, this morning to talk to us about everything that you have to offer there and uh, the job that you're doing uh, in the city of Gulfport there. Well, thank you for having me. Uh, It's a pleasure. Gus also wanted to commend Reggie Sims, Community Center Supervisor, and Larry Davis, the Athletic Coordinator in Gulfport. When we come back from the break, we'll talk with former Mississippi State quarterback Dak Prescott about how he's settling in in Dallas and his involvement with cancer research. I'm your host, Jay White, with producer Liz Gill. This is MPB's Season Pass. We'll be back on Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. This is MPB Season Pass on Think Radio with producer Liz Gill. I'm Jay White. We've invited onto the show medical oncologist Dr. Morgana Freeman, a melanoma specialist at City of Hope Comprehensive Cancer Center in Southern California, and former Mississippi State player and current Dallas Cowboys quarterback Dak Prescott. Dr. Freeman, we'll speak with you in just a moment, but first we want to remind Dak how proud we are at Mississippi Public Broadcasting and across Mississippi of your uh, your legendary status now. A young man, an NFL rookie, slipping into the starting quarterback position in 2016, just out of Mississippi State, voted NFL Offensive Rookie of the Year that year. And then this past year, you finished the season with a 6 to nothing victory over the Philadelphia Eagles, who would go on to win the Super Bowl, their last loss coming to you and the Cowboys. Uh, Dak, how, how have you settled into Dallas? I know you've been there for a little while now, but how is, uh, uh, from Louisiana, played in Mississippi, how is Dallas working out for you? Uh, Dallas is great. Uh, Dallas is honestly where I wanted to be. Uh, growing up right there, right outside of Shreveport, three hours from Dallas. I grew up a Cowboys fan, always wanted to, to live in Dallas or one of the big cities close. So uh, I looked up and I'm playing for my dream team, playing for the Cowboys. I, I got to ask, did you go for an apartment? Did you get a condo? Did you buy a 
house? How, how does, what, what decisions did you have to make there right at the beginning? Yeah, I'm two homes in. Uh, when you're a fourth-round <laughs> fourth pick and um, the way things started off for me, you just go and you get a townhouse. Uh, you get something very affordable. Um, but the moment things start to turn and, and shape up the right way, uh, I was able to purchase a house, and so I'm a year into living in my new house. Absolutely. Did you see firsthand any of the uh, the billboards that Mississippi State put up around the, the DFW Metroplex there wishing you well? Yeah, I haven't seen any of them, honestly, personally. I don't know if I don't take those the right roads to see them or not, but uh, they're definitely inspiring and motivating and just awesome to see uh, my university supporting me like that and honestly supporting other players and uh, alumni that um, are from the university and all those big cities. Now, we're aware that, uh, that your mother passed away from colon cancer in November of 2013. While you were at State, uh, how often or did she get a chance to see you play in person? Yeah, I mean, pretty much every every opportunity or every game that she could. Uh, if it was close, uh, if it was in driving distance, um, or if it was accommodating to her travel, uh, especially going through cancer, um, especially that fight. I mean, sometimes it, it was a little too hot to make the games and things like that. Sure. But my mom, my mom never missed a game from the time I started playing a game of football until high school and didn't miss many uh, games in college. And you're calling on Americans touched by cancer to take part in the Pick Your Power Challenge. All people need to do is share a photo via readyraiserise.com, holding a sign that says hashtag readyraiserise to showcase their inner power. What helped you to harness your inner power to continue to play and to be able to th- you know fight through emotions and things like that when your mom and family were uh, going through this battle? Uh, simply my mom, just everything she taught me, instilling life lessons and uh, instilling my my motives and just the everyday the everyday walk that I, that I, that I come into in life. Uh, my mom just instilled in me and did it the right way, and uh, that's what's so special about teaming with Bristol Myers Squibb and being able to be a part of this Ready Raise Rise campaign. And for the second year, uh, for me, um, this, this second year and the challenge that we have is to pick your power is so special, and just because cancer is unique and the research that we're doing with the immunology that. Doc can tell you more about. Uh, it's all unique. Uh, and the way my mom dealt with cancer, the way our family went through cancer uh, was unique. And it was different from the way other people go through it. So I just encourage everyone to go out there and go to readyraiserise.com and accept our challenge and go on to pick your power and posting a picture of how um, unique but yet powerful you are um, in everything that you're doing. You, you made that sound way better than I did when you said ready, raise, rise so fast like that. Now, Dr. Freeman, as I understand it, the body's immune system, as Dak was alluding to right there, vital to fighting cancer. What role does attitude have in boosting your body's immune system? Oh, I think that that's such an important component of it. And Dak's story is so central um, in terms of narrating that fight for against cancer and how it involves not just the patient, but also the entire family and how much you have to draw on your inner strength to get through that journey. And I think that that's an important part of the narrative. When we talk about inner power, I think some of that is not just your faith and your sense of um, the fight within you, but it's also the fight within you from what your immune system is doing to try to get rid of the cancer. 
And what immuno-oncology really is about is harnessing our body's natural defense to get the immune system to fight the cancer for us. So what I love about this campaign, this is my second year doing it too, is really bringing that awareness so that people know that treating cancer now is very different than it used to be. It's about getting your immune system to fight for you. And what we're learning more and more now is that that's a very individual and personal battle from a scientific standpoint as well. So one of the things that we've learned about recently is the importance of biomarkers. And what biomarkers tell us is the unique makeup of the person's cancer, but also their immune system. And this helps us understand how to match the best therapy for the right patient so that we can really give them the, the greatest chance of remission. And it, it's really offered a lot of hope to patients and families. Let me ask you, in general, and I, I know cancer is, is, is a terrible thing, and it touches essentially everybody at some point point or another sooner, unfortunately, rather than later. But just in general, you know, from the 30,000 foot view, um, it seems like there's a lot of, of positive movement that science has given us with regard to cancer in general. You, can you speak about that? Yeah, absolutely. And and again, I think what makes this campaign so personal when, when Dak shares the story of what happened with his mom is I, I wish that, that she could have benefited maybe from some of the treatments that we have available today. We have really changed the way that the conversation about cancer is held. And as a, as a way to illustrate that point, you know, I'm a melanoma specialist, and that's a pretty deadly skin cancer. And before we had immune therapy, most of the time when a patient was diagnosed with stage 4 disease, they could be expected to only live about six months. And there was the usual conversation about getting your affairs in order, which is really unfortunate. And with immune therapy now, we're actually extending those patients' survival to three years and beyond. And it's, it's really remarkable how this has changed people's lives and changed people and their families for the better. Dak, is Dr. Freeman staying on you about uh, keeping that suntan uh, or that sunscreen, I should say, uh, lotion close by and, and, and staying um, all screened up during football, summer workouts and things? Uh, of course. Uh, she doesn't necessarily have to. You know, we, uh, we have got a great support system in doing that and uh, know, know the prevention and everything that I need to take uh, into account and making sure that I protect myself. Uh, Dak, let me give you a chance to uh, to tell people about your mother a little bit, man. It, it, it is it is remarkable from from the time that you were playing early on at Mississippi State through your pro career so far and through the draft process and everything. Um, you have this uncanny ability, and it's a lot easier said than done of of saying the right thing and being in the right place at the right time and and being able to. Uh, keep yourself out of harm's way. It's, it's, it sounds like an easy thing, but for a pro athlete, for a superstar college athlete, it is not necessarily a very easy thing to do. Tell me a little bit about you know, how your mom raised you, uh, your parents raised you, and, and how that prepared you for handling the, the, the success that you've had. Yeah, you said it best. It's not easy, um, and definitely not easy, as you said, being in the position, uh, playing for the Dallas Cowboys, and uh, what that comes with is a lot of responsibility. 
put in a big platform. I mean, it's a great platform to be able to do uh, the things like I'm doing today, being a part of this Ready Raise Rise doc, uh, this Ready Raise Rise campaign. But not only that, I mean, it's it's uh, knowing people are always watching. It's living in that glass house, and uh, what I can say, my mom taught me is the the old cliche: uh, rather be safe than sorry. So it's about uh, eliminate distractions, eliminating the the, the ways that, that things could could spiral downhill. And it's about just being the best that I can uh, at every moment and just having a high character. Dr. Freeman, what will we find when we go to ReadyRaiseRise.com? When you go to readyraiserise.com, you can learn about the resources available to teach you and teach your family and friends about how the immune system can fight cancer. You can also learn about the fundraising campaign. And as Dak said, you know, our goal is to raise a quarter of a million dollars to benefit cancer research and patient support organizations. So we're really trying to get people to go to the website, uh, take, participate in the Pick Your Power Challenge, and submit those photos and get us to our goal because this is an important part of uh, continuing the research that is saving people's lives. So it's great to be able to participate in this and I really appreciate being able to offer some perspective as a cancer specialist. Absolutely. ReadyRaiseRise.com. Thank you so much for your time this morning and talking to us about ReadyRaiseRise.com. Yeah, thank you, Jay. Thank you for having us Thanks for having us. Time for our last break of the show this week. When we come back, we'll talk about what's going on in sports this weekend. With Liz Gill, I'm Jay White. This is MPB Season Pass on Think Radio. It's MPB Season Pass on Think Radio with producer Liz Gill. I'm Jay White. Liz, let me tell you something about Dak Prescott. If, tell me something. If there is anything that any college or professional athlete can do to make any member of the media want to run through walls for them and and would, would work in any kind of way to put somebody in the most positive light possible, call the media member out by name. You know, reply to them by name. He called me Jay like 17 times in that interview. And sure, he doesn't know me. I don't know him. He had a piece of paper with my name on it. But just taking the time to pay attention to that slight detail. And, and look, and we you were know, in a he, he talked to must have he must have talked to a dozen half dozen. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. Dozen. We were I mean, we were just we were a ten minute block in a series of interviews that they had lined up. But um, just to take the slightest time to, to pay attention to that detail. I'm telling you, man, media members who a lot of times kind of get dumped on and 
and everything else. And it's their job to be intrusive and bothersome to uh, athletes who are, you know, either trying to celebrate their glory or, you know, in some sort of way erase, you know, the the defeat that they've just experienced. Um, that goes a long way in helping the media work to get you over as 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 well as possible. And it's a small thing that not a lot of people do, but man, it it, it makes a big difference. That's right. Yeah, I know. Specifically, and he called me Jay like seven. I'm like, oh man, me and Dak are boys. <laughs> me and Dak are boys. We go way back. <laughs> I think I've met him once. So um, here's some stuff going on uh, around the state of Mississippi. Um, I know you listed this as air conditioning. That is a <laughs> that is a thing that's going on. And I mean, it is it is angry hot outside. That's right. So. Uh, uh, the the folks at the Mississippi uh, Sports Hall of Fame have been so good for us. Uh, Absolutely, uh, they have giving us a lot of contact information from some of our folks. That uh, if you need some air conditioning, they've got some. Absolutely, they do. So, uh, I mean, they're they're open Monday through Saturday, 10 a.m. to 4 p.m., and it's just a couple of dollars to get in, and that helps sustain uh, the Hall of Fame. And I'm telling you, there is something new that if you're if you're whether you're not really a sports fan, just a kind of pedestrian sports fan or a sports nut, you will find something different to kind of to, to dive into every single time you go in there. That's Plus, how it's much just a cool building. Yeah, and they're always adding stuff all the time. Uh, so it's it's an extremely cool place. If you're a sports fan, you have to have gone there at some point. If not, you're kind of doing yourself a disservice there. Uh, the Mississippi Championship Hot Air Balloon Launch Party, uh, the, the annual Hot Air Balloon Race features a launch party on the historic square in Canton and uh, downtown Canton. That's uh, coming up tonight, 6 to 9 p.m. And then tomorrow at 6 p.m., it's the Celebrate America Balloon Glow at North Park Mall in Ridgeland. Uh, and at 9.30 p.m., they're going to have uh, fireworks. And then on Saturday, back in Canton, uh, they're having a balloon chase bike race. Uh, it starts at 7 a.m. and a, a competition flight at the Canton Multipurpose Center. Uh, and then the, the championship hot air balloon f- uh, fest at the Canton Multipurpose Center is uh, starting at 6 p.m. that night. So there's a lot of stuff going on. That's in Madison County there. There's a lot of stuff going on uh, between uh, Ridgeland and Canton right there. And then the fireworks there at North Park Mall at uh, 9.30 p.m. It on, was uh, really night. great speaking with uh, one of their pilots. And if anyone missed that show, it was our June 7th. And you can listen to it again at mpbonline.org slash season pass. There you go. Uh, the 71st annual Mississippi Deep Sea Fishing Rodeo starts tomorrow and run th- runs through uh, the 4th. Um, and it's at uh, Jones Park in Gulfport. It's uh, billed as the largest family-friendly fishing rodeo in the world and includes fun for the entire family. Uh, fireworks, fishing, lots of vendors, great food, of course, great seafood, as you would expect. Uh, contestants fish the Gulf waters for days, competing for cash and prizes in 30 categories of both saltwater and freshwater fish. 
If you want to uh, learn more about this, uh, their website is Mississippi Deep Sea Fishing Rodeo.com. Mississippi Deep Sea Fishing Rodeo.com. The 71st annual it is a humongous deal on the Mississippi Gulf Coast. That's right. And if you're interested in deep sea fishing, we've had a couple of programs uh, recently on MPB Season Pass. We talked to a, a boat captain who participated and uh, in the uh, the blue. No, oh, I shouldn't say because I don't <laughs> Big Bill, Bill, Bill. Oh, here I'm just sticking my hole. Anyway, Bill. MPB He's Season okay Pass, uh, MPBOnline.org/slash/season pass, and we've got a, a couple of great episodes talking about deep sea fishing. Absolutely. Uh, also on the coast, the uh, annual Our Lady of the Gulf Crab Festival starts tomorrow, runs through Sunday. Uh, it's uh, in Bay St. Louis at the uh, Our Lady of the Gulf Catholic Church. It's a free event that includes local food, live music, a uh, hundred arts and crafts booths. So there's tons to do. Rides, raffles, crab races. Crab and you, you have that races. Underlined, <laughs> you have that underlined, bolded, and italicized. Well, that's our that's our sports tie-in. Uh-huh. Uh, if you, if if crab <laughs> racing is your sport, it's crab season, and you can go to the crab races at the crab festival. I wonder if uh, the uh, the newly christened uh, gambling <laughs> laws in Mississippi will allow you to put money down on the crab races. I wonder how you handicap the crabs. Anyway, <laughs> uh, food items include boiled crab. I guess those are the losers. And, uh, <laughs> shrimp, shrimp and catfish, po'boys, gumbo, crab stuffed potatoes. Now I'm hungry. And biscuits, burgers, dogs, and a bunch more. For more details, if you want to call and see about the uh, Our Lady of the Gulf Crab Festival coming up tomorrow through Sunday, it's 228-467-6509. 228-467-6509. And all these events are on our MPB calendar, which is at mpbonline.org. Yep. Uh, going from the very bottom of the state all the way to the very, very top of the state, um, it's the uh, the Mid-South Ice House Summer Snowball Fight. That's going on Saturday, 1.30, uh, at the Mid-South Ice House in Olive Branch, and they were guests on the show recently as well. Um, the Mid-South uh, Mid Ice is shaving up the ice from their Zamboni sweeps during the week so they can have a snowball fight, and you're invited. Uh, the snow pile will be set up outside of the building. I don't know for how long it'll be there with the weather, uh, but you get that Gulf breeze. It might freeze it. I don't know. Uh, so come enjoy it and grab some uh, Gulf breeze. I'm still down no, the No, no, no. This is this up is at in, Olive uh, Branch. Olive Branch, right. Uh, so uh, come enjoy it and then grab some skates and spend the rest of the afternoon in the rink. For more information, call uh, 901-881-8544. 901-881-8544. Or visit MidSouthIceHouse.com. That's MidSouthIceHouse.com. Uh, so uh, there's and a w- don't forget about our barrel races. We oh. talked to our uh, Kentucky Horse Park people uh, today, and uh, not this Thursday, but uh, July 5th and 19th and August 2nd and 16th at the Mississippi Horse Park, they've got uh, Thursday Night Summer Barrel Series. So I think you can watch or participate, but uh, probably you'd need to bring your own horse and know how to barrel race, not a... First timers. Probably. <laughs> Probably. Yeah. That is I'm fascinated as as always when we talk to people that are kinda involved in um 
um, sports or activities that I've never really been a part of before. That's it's always fascinating, and I want to be able to get out and, and try somehow or another. Um, I don't know if if I don't know. I, I may weigh the horse down a little bit too much, if you know what I'm saying. Uh, the Out of Bounds Cornhole Classic is going on uh, tomorrow, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. at the uh, Renaissance at Colony Park Shopping Center in Ridgeland. Um, we watched Professional Cornhole on ESPN earlier this week, and my family was astounded that there was televised professional cornhole. And I said, <laughs> hey, if you listen to MPB Season Pass, you would already know all about professional cornhole because we did uh, we did that show on April 19th. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we did. And that's that is a sport that I don't, everybody, I, I would guess almost everybody has been a part of at some point or another. Uh, and we had a league here for a very short time. Yeah. Then some feelings got hurt and it went away. I don't know what happened. Uh, but, uh, yeah, this is the uh, Out of Bounds Cornhole Classic. And proceeds go to the Warrior Bonfire Program. So uh, there you go. It uh, includes refreshments, live music, and raffle. And it's there at the Renaissance and Colony Park. So there'll be great shopping all around you in case you don't want to take part in the cornhole. Uh, It is, uh, for more details, contact Blake Scott, who is a former voice of the Mississippi Braves and has been on this program before. Blake, uh, call him at 601-951-7311. 601-951-7311. And as I understand, there is still a couple of spots left if you want to get in. So there you go. The uh, Cornhole Classic going on in Ridgeland at the Colony, at the, what is it? uh, Renaissance Renaissance at Colony Park. Right. That's fancy. But there's no there's no added ease at the end of anything. I don't think. yield shoppy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, Mississippi State has a new baseball coach. This is kind of a big deal. Uh, if there is uh, a legacy athletic program and college sports in Mississippi outside of, uh, uh, well, there's probably two. It's Ole Miss football and Mississippi State baseball. And um, Mississippi State is going to have a, a fourth coach in four years. Uh, you know that uh, Andy. Ken- Zero kind of, uh, I don't know, he it had some uh, ethics issues that got him pushed out the first week of the season. That's about as radio friendly as I could put that. And uh, Gary Henderson was the interim coach this year and did a really good job. Ultimately, the Mississippi State Bulldogs played into the national final four. They played into the semifinals. Uh, they they were one strike away from losing in the first two rounds of uh, the, the, the NCAA tournament. And then they went on a, a rather successful run, winning the regional in Tallahassee, Florida, at Florida State. Sorry, Kevin Farrell. He's, right behind, he's in the office right behind us here. He's probably grumbling now. Uh, and then... Uh, won a Super Regional at Vanderbilt in Nashville and uh, quieted the Vandy Whistler and did everybody in the world a favor uh, in the meantime. Won their first two games of the College World Series, but then uh, lost two in a row to Oregon State to finish tied for third, uh, making the Final Four a big deal. And Gary Henderson did a, a, a great job and won a couple of different National Coach of the Year awards. So there was some thought that maybe he was in the running for it, and I'm sure to some extent he was. But the guy that was hired by Mississippi State to be the new coach which is a guy named Chris Lamonis. Uh, Chris's dad actually graduated uh, from Mississippi State, but uh, Chris, he's kind of he's been um, 
uh, a little bit all over the place. He, he was hired from Indiana University, where he had been the head coach the last four years and had taken Indiana to the NCAA tournament three of the four times, including this year, uh, where they had a 40-win season, which is uh, a, a, a pretty good benchmark to get to. Uh, before that, he had coached under Dan McDonald, uh, who is uh, part of the coaching tree of uh, Mike Bianco, who's the head baseball coach at Ole Miss, has been for 20 years, uh, and was with McDonald for a long time at Louisville, including a couple of College World Series or two or three, maybe four College World Series trips at Louisville. And uh, before that was with McDonald at the Citadel, uh, which is a military school in South Carolina that actually, uh, when, uh, when Lamonis played at the Citadel, uh, he was a player there from 1990 to 1993. They made the College World Series uh, in 1990. And also that year in 1990, Mississippi State made the College World Series. Uh, and the player on that Mississippi State team in 1990 was John Cohen, who is the athletic director at Mississippi State, who just hired Chris Lamonis to be the head coach. Well, now I'm, I'm a little bit worried about the, the, the guy who just took State to the, the World Series. Is he going to have trouble finding a job? I don't think so. Um, you know, he's not an up-and-comer. He's been around for a long time. So um, uh, some athletic directors and, and fans who want the next coach to be here for 25,000 years, he's not going to be around for that long. I mean, he's a little bit long in the tooth, and I don't think he wants to do it that long. But obviously he's, he's a decent strategist and a good baseball coach. And uh, he's straightforward with his players, which I think did a lot for this team this year. Uh, for Liz Gill, I'm Jay White. Thank you so much for listening to MPB Season Pass. Stay tuned. So the Remedy Kids and Teens with Dr. Jimmy Stewart is next on Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.